Dan Bickley, Vince Morata. Bickley and Morata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. He's only played 13 games at left tackle. You talk to the all-pro from Cincinnati, Willie Anderson, who trained Paris Johnson all throughout high school, worked with him throughout college. He said the best football is ahead for him. He's got to understand how to set, how to punch for his body, how to use his athleticism. They wanted the best pass-blocking left tackle. They got it. He is smart, he is tough, and he works hard. And I'll tell you what, he is not a finished product. No. When you watch him on tape, and Lewis and Boogie get into this, I watch him as a run blocker. He drops his head, has some balance issues, pass blocking, hand placement could be a little better. He uses punch a little bit better. So the offensive line coach has a guy with awesome talent and potential. As a 6'6 and a half, 313. He's got incredibly long arms, he's got really good feet, and he's going to try to become and work hard to become a great player. But those technical issues and that Lack of experience needs refinement. Coaching can be critical to get this kid to be a pro bowler in the NFL. Smell Kuyper Jr. Uh, before that, Booker McFarland commenting on the Arizona Cardinals. First pick of the draft at number six. It went from three to 12 back to six. Paris Johnson Jr., the offensive lineman from Ohio State, who was arguably the best offensive mm-hmm. lineman in this draft. Or, you know, And if he wasn't on uh, the top of some big boards, he was not far behind Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern, who ended up going number 11 to Tennessee. Yeah. I, I like the draft pick. It's a position where... He could probably be eased in, Paris Johnson can, to to the offensive line, not necessarily as a day one left tackle. I, In fact, I, th- I don't think that's even a possibility at this point. Yeah. Is it right tackle? Is it right guard? I would fully expect him to be a big part of the line. Yeah. Listen, I this is something that Steve Kime did not do, and maybe it's because the team felt snake bit. They've had a few different forays into spending big-time draft capital for offensive linemen. You can look back to Leonard Davis. You can look back to Levi Brown, Jonathan Cooper. Um, All of them were okay. All of them disappointed in proportion to where they were selected. Um, This is is a good change in philosophy. I I do believe that it's a safe way to rebuild is to build up your quote-unquote trenches. The the lines on both sides of the football, uh, smart football people will tell you that is evergreen. It's universal. It's it's every year all the time. You you need to have that. So I'm down with the theory. I'm down with the philosophy now as the as far as the player goes we're gonna find out yeah it's you can have a natural suspicion like i do uh, many really large specimens play football because they're really large specimens and they can make <laughs> a lot of money being really large specimens don't necessarily love the game don't necessarily have the intangibles it, it sounds like Monty and fort and the cardinals are very comfortable with who paris johnson jr is as a competitor and and that's important. Um, what took us by surprise, a lot of people didn't even know this. And in fact, Wolf had no recollection of this, which was really funny to see because he's Mr. Cardinal, that his dad was once drafted by the Cardinals. In 1999, yeah. fifth round pick. Yeah. And I didn't connect that either. And I, I remember the name. The difficulty there was that Paris Johnson was drafted. He never actually played in a regular season game for the right. Cardinals. Right. Uh, but yeah, I was... But I kind of had that same reaction. Yeah. I was like, that's right, Paris yeah. Johnson. And so after he was drafted, Paris Johnson Jr. told the story of how I get now to fulfill the dream that my father never got to. And I'm like, okay, this is that that's somebody, this isn't just a big kid playing football for the paycheck. 
Okay, good. That's a good start. We're going to find out. But there's also the element that this is the guy that was handpicked by Kyler Murray. Now, I know so many, because Kyler Murray is polarizing, there's an element of the fan base that immediately recoils that Kyler Murray wanted this guy. Oh, sure. Give him what he wants. Yeah, That's great. Him, make him the GM. Make him even more entitled. Uh, uh, great. Yeah, That's oh, just great. what we need. Yeah, oh, great. This new regime comes in and they're kissing his feet right exactly. away. Exactly. Going to the statue in right. and giving him power. Yeah, I, and I think I think I think that crowd really misses the point here. I do not think for one minute Monty Austin Ford, I don't think any self respecting general manager would would take a player solely on the recommendation of a player. But what you can do is now you can go back to the player and, and half jokingly say, See, I listen to you. We listen to you. We're listening to you, Kyler. We value you, Kyler. We went to Oklahoma City to a statue unveiling and got ripped by Mike Florio for you, Kyler. <laughs> it, it, you can laugh about these things, but if you're Kyler Murray, it, it might break down these walls. And it might make him trust the team. And how about this? It might make Kyler actually listen to them. Yeah. How's that for a concept? See how that works? Yeah. We're giving. Here was Paris Johnson Jr. afterwards uh, talking about what it meant to him that Kyler Murray did stick his neck out for him. That's what you want. You know, the the, the connection you have with your quarterback is really everything, you know. I had that Ohio State with, with CJ. We, we came in together. We um, grew together. You know, with, with Kyle, he's already established. But for an established guy to reach out to a, a young guy and to be like, man, like, I need you. Like, you matter in this team. Like, you're an instant impact guy. For me, I'm going to play hard regardless. I mean, if, if, you know, if you on the phone, if you're the quarterback, I'm going to play hard for you. But to play for a guy like that who's already established, reach out to a young guy like, to the, like, like how do you know I just want to see him tell you to win? You want to keep him clean, you know? Yeah, and and you mentioned this too about Paris Johnson Sr. being drafted by the Cardinals in 1999. Paris Johnson Jr. kind of opened up about that yesterday too. That's true. Um, you know, I just I felt it on my heart. You know, to be able to tell him, like, you know, honestly, near the end of our um, my meeting together, I, I, I wanted to express to him. It just I felt it on my heart. You know, it was like a God thing for me to say because I didn't go in with an entire to say. If I was like, you know, I feel like you're supposed to be here. I feel like I'm invited on this. 30 visit um, because I'm supposed to, to finish with what my dad started. You know, my dad, well, my dad was a pick here and he was a fifth round pick, but I know my family had high expectations. You know, unfortunately, he didn't meet those. I feel like, you know, 22, 23 years later, you know, God's been preparing me this whole time, my whole life, to be able to do, you know, but what a Cardinal's supposed to do to, at that standard. Yeah, it was you know? interesting to hear Paris Johnson tell that story and, and, and make it known, look, my dad's not in my life right now. I don't have, really have a relationship with him. But he talked about the influence that he had, and he even opened up and said, look, my dad went to Miami of Ohio. I wanted to go there. And he was a five-star recruit out, out of Cincinnati. And he's like, yeah, my mom wouldn't let me go there. <laughs> um, so, And I don't know the reason mm-hmm. why that is. And I don't think it's any of our business. But, no. but it, no. this, this means something to Paris Johnson yeah, Jr. Right. And to hear somebody in this time of upheaval and uncertainty and, for lack of a better term, big dysfunction with the Arizona Cardinals, it's refreshing to hear a guy drafted that high say, you know what, I wanted to be a Cardinal. I want to be here. And, and I know that gets thrown around a lot on draft night, but there was a, a quality to what 
Paris Johnson Jr. said last night that was very believable. I think he's stoked to be here. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. So so I think that's why a lot of these elements of what they did, it works out very, very well for me. So I think people are, I think Cardinal fans, um, not unanimously, but I think a, a good majority, a healthy majority of them approve of the end result of day one of the NFL draft. It got real bumpy, and I'm sure we're going to get into the tampering thing yet. We still haven't, but yeah, we, we need will. to. We can get into that next if All right, you want. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, the Cardinals draft day started off in uncertain fashion when they swapped picks with Philadelphia, and then we found out why. We'll get into that next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Pickley, Vince Murata. Pickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Busy draft day for Monty Asenfort and the Arizona Cardinals. And it started with some not-so-great news, and that was the news that the Cardinals swapped picks with the yeah. Philadelphia Eagles. Right. And the way it was termed on their social media was weird, too. i got to be honest. But uh, the reason why they had to swap picks was because there was tampering going on. Oh, Monty Asenfort in pursuit of Jonathan Gannon as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals placed a phone call when uh, Gannon was still a member of the Eagles coaching staff and it was days after the NFC Championship game. That's a no-no. Apparently it was self-reported so this agreement went down between the Cardinals and the Eagles to uh, swap these picks. Uh, The Cardinals 66th overall pick goes to Philly. The Eagles 94th overall pick comes to Arizona and they also were sending a 5th round pick next year. Uh, that is a very, very, very unfortunate way to start off. Your You're losing 28 spots in the third round. So there's a lot of pl- good players who yes. are going to go by you and by you and by you. You basically get docked around. And that's a, that's it's not a it's not a terrible penalty, but for the the reason why this happened is is quite something. Monty Asenfort made a phone call to Jonathan Gannon shortly day two days three days after the NFC Championship game, in which the Eagles defense annihilated the 49ers. Now keep in mind, Brock Purdy was injured on the very first series, yes. which influenced the way the game looked. But at that time, a phone call was made to Rich Gannon. As the story goes, the Cardinals. Jonathan Gannon. As the story goes, the Cardinals self-reported the infraction. Now you wonder how that went down. You wonder how did 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 the how did the Eagles get aware? Did did they were they aware of it? Uh, I initially thought to myself, okay, this is this is something. Even if the Eagles were made aware that a phone call was lobbed to Jonathan Gannon after the NFC Championship game, is it something that they felt compelled to pursue? Did they even have a choice in it? Seemed to me to be a little petty if they felt necessary to 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 pursue tampering charges for a guy that you know was a DC and was getting a head coaching opportunity. Whatever, it was a bad bad mistake from the Arizona Cardinals that cost them um, a good chunk of their draft status. And and in real time, you wonder how in the world can something like that happen? Now, to their credit, I, I, was, I was a little surprised. I was happy that the transparency of the Cardinals' subsequent press release that pretty much laid out what had happened uh-huh. and named Monty Ossenfort by name. And then during his media availability, Monty flat out apologized. So here's here's what I'd say, guys. Um, you know, I uh, I made a mistake. Um, 
I own that. Um, you know, it's a it's a situation that we we were able to resolve. I've apologized to uh, Michael Bidwell. Um, I've apologized to um, our staff, and you know, I think the 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 deal that we worked out. Um, you know, it is what it is, and we're just moving on from it. And that's um, you know, really don't have a lot more to say on it. Yeah, so now in real time, my initial reaction was, you got to be kidding me, tampering for Jonathan Gannon? If, if, if suddenly there were tampering charges from New Orleans for a guy like Sean Payton, I'd go, okay, good try, yeah. I get it. Yeah. But tampering for a guy who has no options shows you a couple of things. Number one, A, how desperate the Cardinals were in their coaching search, and B, how Monty Ossonford did not know very clearly, NFL rules clearly state when it's permissible to contact coaching candidates during the playoffs, which very clearly, even as a first-time GM, you should know because it, of his yeah. because of his front office experience. And it, I agree with you. The transparency from Monty Austin Ford in the Cardinals press release was was okay. It was a it was a bad mistake. But here's where I can't get past the weirdness of this mm-hmm. because you remember as well as anybody. And if memory serves, by the time the NFC Championship game had wrapped up, I think there was only two jobs open. I think it was the Colts and the Cardinals. Yes, I think, but. When the Cardinals finally arrived at hiring Jonathan Gannon, and it was in the days following the Super Bowl loss, do you remember how it was presented? Jonathan Gannon had no idea that he was staying in Arizona to interview for the head coaching job for the Cardinals. None of this jives. I'm so glad you brought this up. The, they, the way that this was presented, I'm so, none of it makes any they, sense. I'm so glad you brought this up. Did, right, wasn't it reported that like they told him like after the game, yes, it yes. was like, you're not going on the plane yes, with us? Yes, and he was like, oh, okay, I'm This here. situation forced Jonathan Gannon to lie, is what this did. Yes. It, it, it forced him to lie about the circumstances that got him this job, and I am not comfortable with that. Because he flat out, Jonathan Gannon flat out said, yeah, they came to me after the Super Bowl and said, hey, you're staying over. And, and well, I, I had no idea. And, and, and he that talked w- about the mental fortitude that it took to switch from losing in the Super Bowl to doing exactly. what he had to do the next morning. Yeah. Well, that's a good d- dot you just connected, Ruthless. Yeah, and so there's this... Concocted story that doesn't sit well with me, and 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 I'm not trying to share anything behind the scenes, but you and I were part of a text thread last night that I, that really resonated with me. Lying has become so institutionalized, almost celebrated in the NFL, and I ain't comfortable with that either. No, I, I think it's I think it's garbage. How far down the road the NFL has gotten with this? I get gamesmanship, I get subterfuge, flat out lying, not cool. Well, even go back to the process when when they did present it as such, and it. Went from Super Bowl loss to, oh, hey, you're staying in Arizona at an interview, and by the way, the next day you had the job. The, the irons were in the fire of already. Of course they were. And of course they, they were. they weren't in the fire in a non-restricted window is a big question. Yes. So, so I think that part of the story of last night was Monty Austin Ford at least, at least owned it. And to some degree, in the eyes of some, redeemed it. Now, I think redeem is too strong of a word because we don't know what the rest of the draft's going to look like or how these players are going to turn out. Absolutely, But it's also, you could have done everything they did and then still had that early third round pick. Of of course, of course. It's not making up for it. It's just sort of like trying to cover... I guess I, I guess you can yeah I but but at the same time part of me was worried that as a first time general manager this is preceding your debut draft this news that you as the new GM 
cost this team? Do you know the embarrassment this caused? Let me let me give you another example of a of a liberties taken with by a journalist in a headline. Headline from NBCSports.com: How Jonathan Gannon helped the Eagles move up in the draft. <laughs> Right there. You see that headline, Vinny? Look, so you know I'm not lying. There you go. Okay. And, and be, because every yeah, there's there's currency in that because the Eagles fans, for whatever reason, hold that man in great contempt. <laughs> it, 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 so it's – it's and Jonathan Gannon had nothing to do with it other than this situation put him in a position where he had a fib to our faces. So – and I also wonder about the whole. I, I'm not I'm not denying that this happened, but the self reporting of it. Mm-hmm. If the Eagles didn't report it, why are you coming forward? Well, that's a great because well, you, because you must know you're going to get yeah, the Eagles. So I'm knew sure. About it. Yeah, I'm sure Jonathan Gannon's like, yeah, you know what? I I told some people over there, and they're not happy about it. Ooh, okay, we better. S- you know, I was on speakerphone during that. <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> Should not have. You uh, know when you uh, you're smack talking someone in the bathroom and they come out of the, in the stall. Like, oh, <laughs> I always check underneath. Is that what was happening? We were just talking. Yeah, I heard. I heard. Oh, no, that was a different. Have you ever been? Have you, have you ever Cardinals. been in that situation where you're the one in the bathroom that's being talked about? <gasps> no. Have you? It's happened, but it wasn't in a negative light. Oh, oh. Yeah. Okay. like like my name came up in a conversation. I'm like. I'm just sitting here doing my business. Well, luckily, uh, where's this going? Luckily for me, my shoes are very noticeable. <laughs> so everyone knows I'm in there if I'm in there. Yeah. Clown shoes generally have that effect. Exactly. Hey. The rhinestone loafers? Those, yeah, that's, that's Garrett. Those orange velvet shoes are underneath there. Ixnay on the Eric J. The rhinestone loafers. That's a good name for a band right there, Vinny. Oh, the rhinestone loafers. Take He's it. got the rhinestone loafers. Hey, hey. But but for that to happen right before the draft, if, if you could have just felt yes. the air come out of the gathering on the Great Lawn, everyone was like, but it was, oh, come on. Will you stop again? with this? Yeah. When is this right. going to end? You know what it felt like to me? Because of all the excitement and anticipation of the draft and then that happened, it felt like when we were waiting for, I forget what it was, maybe game six of the bubble or something. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden the news mm. of DeAndre Ayton. Oh, yeah. I was- I was his, real happy about missed that. Missed his COVID test, test or yeah. isn't going to be able to play. <laughs> and we were like, are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I, I see the comp there. But you know, and so it's under that context that I think Monty Asenfort rebounded because the embarrassment he must have felt. Yes. It, it might have made other people kind of tense up. You know, like, OK, I got to make sure I don't screw this up. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should just take Will Anderson Jr. and call it a night. Maybe. You didn't do that. You didn't do that. He was more active than just about anybody yeah. last night. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Red Hot Chili Peppers, heading to State Farm Stadium with special guests, The Strokes, on May 14th. You can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, big stories of the day, and there's a lot of them. Repackaged in the Rush Hour Reboot with Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning.
morning, everybody. Welcome on into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley Amarada Mornings. This is the greatest show. It's great to have you all with us as well. I'm Sarah Cazell, taking you through the top stories of the day with Dan Bickley. Hey! With Vince Marotta. And what about us? We'll always have Paris. Ooh. Maybe not always. Sensual. Right, right now, they have Paris. That's cute. Uh, and Jarrett Carlin. Call him Brian, because he sure is greasy. How cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know what that was in reference to, but it's a good line. Probably you, greasy beast, don't you think? Yeah, probably. <laughs> that's, the only, that's really the only context in which greasy comes up, that's right? True. I'm not... I know you're not. You're not. But we you're very sensitive to that adjective. I, I agree with you. Well, you're not greasy. I, I get it. I'm I just, always it, well it just, groomed and washed and scrubbed. Yes. If I was as hairy as I am and greasy, yeah, that'd be a bad news. Be yeah. No, I know. I got gotcha. you. Un- I got gotcha. you. Yeah, you'd be unemployable. For, be like wearing a wet fur coat. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> dog smell. All That's true. Yes. The people at home do need to know the hygiene is on point, and we do appreciate that. All right. Let's uh, let's get. And so to are the, the rhinestone draft. loafers. Yeah. Let's talk NFL draft, guys. Monty Austin Fort went through his first night as a drafting general manager, and he jumped right in. The Cardinals traded their number three pick down to number 12, and then back up to number six. They ended up with Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. That is the guy that Kyler Murray reportedly wanted in the lead-up to the draft, and Murray tweeted, quote, LFG, let's get to work, big fella, after the pick. Uh, Now, he started out, Paris Johnson started out as a right guard in Columbus before shifting over to left tackle, um, which was considered the more natural fit for him. With that versatility, Paris Johnson Jr. told our Tyler Drake last night on the ground of the draft, he will fill any need on the offensive line. What I ask for the Cardinals is the ability to put me anywhere. You know, I've never snapped before, but they teach me I will snap for the Cardinals because I just want to be a part of this five. You know, so it's a guard, tackle, and I have a future Six seven center. We'll see if that's what they want to do. But you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm just trying to ball out, and I I just want to put hard for the for the guys already in there. You know what I mean? Put him anywhere, coach. He's ready. Monty Austin Fort also spoke to Johnson's versatility last night and was asked, "Does that make him a, a day one starter?" We'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, I don't think we're gonna we're ready to name. We got a few few months to go before we got to play a game. Um, you know, we're gonna put our best five on the field, and so you know, Paris will be worked at multiple spots just like everybody else is, and we'll see how that shakes out. Um, but yeah, Paris Paris has versatility. We'll, we'll work him in there, and we'll we'll see where this ends up. Okay, there was a lot going on with the Cardinals last night, some of which we've already discussed this morning, some of which we have not. They got Paris Johnson Jr. They passed on Will Anderson, ended up giving that pick to the Texans, who took him number three overall. Um, all of the, the maneuvering that they did in the first round to go from three to 12 to six, DeAndre Hopkins, still a member of the Arizona Cardinals. Also that little tampering situation that we just discussed in the last segment. What was the biggest headline or the most notable thing about the Cardinals last night to you? Ooh, it, the, I think just the overall. I, how would I put it into a headline? Um, it, the just the overall experience of Monty Austin for its mm-hmm. very first draft from the from the tampering charges that had nothing to do with the draft, but the penalty came down right before it. Right, and then and then the the trading about, uh, back then back forward and all that kind of stuff, and then the DeAndre Hopkins thing at the end of the night saying, "Nope, he's a member of the Cardinals. See you later. We'll talk to you tomorrow." The whole thing. They just the experience, the first real 
experience of Monty Austin Ford as GM. Yeah, the activity of all of it was the biggest headline to me. A lot of GMs in that first first night engineering their first draft, like being the point person. Pick said it earlier. You might hey, you have the best defensive player on the board available at number three. Mm-hmm. That's the easy way out. Yeah, um, and it might be the wrong way out. We don't. Again, we don't know. But um, the deftness with which he maneuvered around the first round was was pretty impressive to me. Now that's deftness? Deft. Okay. With a T, not I would say deftness. he was most deaf. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so then with that... Trini- I would say he was speaking in deaf tones. Whoa! <laughs> deaf Leopard! <laughs> I'm blanking. I got nothing here. Yeah, I got nothing else either. So with, with the Cardinals giving their number three pick up... And then seeing the Texans take that pick to take Will Anderson, did did that make you feel any kind of way? Was there any kind of like uh, regret yeah. or sadness? That Not he regret. Would be coming just, here? I was like, oh man, I hope he doesn't become the the, the killer that we thought he would be mm-hmm. in this projection. When you know he, he could have ended up with the Cardinals, I would have been very excited to have Will Anderson Jr. this morning too. So uh, you hope. <laughs> I'm hoping for his failure. No, I, I hope it's not a moment of regret. Yeah, you can have that. But yeah, but see, that's universal to every team with every Absolute, pick. There's absolutely. always a guy you could have had and a guy that you chose, and you don't know how it's going to work out. I, I know what you're saying, because a, this guy could be sort of a Darrell, Terrell Suggs-like player. Ooh, yes. And if that happens, then it's going to be real easy to go, see, they did it again. Yeah. Yeah. History repeating itself. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's get to the Phoenix Suns. They open up their second round series tomorrow against the Denver Nuggets in Denver. Game one starts at 5.30 Arizona time. Here is Monty Williams saying they've got a healthy level of respect for the top seed in the West. We just have a great deal of respect for them, and I think that allows for us to have an appropriate fear. Okay, the bouncing basketballs makes it a little tough to hear, but he says the respect that they have instills an appropriate level of fear for the Suns of the Nuggets. And then here's campaign. He was asked, did you guys learn anything in your regular season games that you played? Not much. We just we just know they, they have a foundation. Um, that's, 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 that's the main thing. We know they got an MVP. We know Jamal Murray's outstanding. Like, they, they got all the pieces and, uh, like, their their system is great. Uh, they got all the all Nintendos that they need, all the energy guys. They have it all. We just got to come ready to play. What is the key to a game one win for the Suns? For me, uh, I think it comes down to complementary mm. pieces. On, on the Nugget side, I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a big, big factor in this series. And for the Suns, it's DeAndre Ayton. And we talked about it earlier. DeAndre Ayton, hold your own. Be a formidable challenge for Nikola Jokic. Don't let you know him run rough shot over you. And I think everything else can kind of cancel yeah. out. I, I think it's really. I'm. I'm going to get real, real simplistic with this. I, I think this is going to come down to who is better on a nightly basis: Devin Booker or Jamal Murray. Wow. Could could be that. And Jamal Murray has been really good at yeah. the playoffs. Devin Booker's been better. Yeah. Now, it changes when you're going up against each other, but we'll mm-hmm. see. It could come down to that. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch. Those two guys are really fun because to watch. Because does Devin Booker continue to separate? I mean, this is something we advanced yesterday morning. Bill Simmons even said it yesterday, that Devin Booker might be actually ramping up to the best player in the NBA conversation. Yeah. Wild. 
And so if Jamal Murray is looking at that and it's like, oh, hell no, we'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's That to me is – and the Nuggets are a really good perimeter shooting team, sneaky good. Suns have got to be good in their perimeter defense. Yeah, and for Suns fans, get ready to really, really get irked by uh, Bruce Brown. He's just that kind of player. I wish he was on the Suns. I've always liked his game, man. He's a thorn in the side. So, Yeah, here's, here's my advice. Quit getting irked by opposing players. Get through them. Don't be bothered by them. I can't get, get through, through them. them. I have to be irked by them. I can't control <laughs> what happens on the court. Uh, thank you, Sarah. Thanks, All rebooted. Uh, Rush Hour reboot every morning at uh, 7.30. Coming up next, Max Starks knows a lot about offensive line play. What does he think about the Cardinals' first pick, Paris Johnson Jr.? We'll ask Max next. Strictly Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Cardinals take uh, Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State after some maneuvering from 3 down to 12, back up to 6. Yesterday, massive offensive lineman, played tackle, played guard at Ohio State. And we get a closer look at Paris Johnson Jr., the player. And who better to ask than uh, than our own Max Starks, who knows a little bit about some offensive line play. And he joins us here on Bickley Murata Mornings. Max, good morning to you, sir. Good morning to you, gentlemen. How art thou? We are doing... Thou art... <laughs> Put that on a shirt. Uh, Paris yeah, Johnson. Pretty not bad. Yeah. Pretty not bad. Yeah, which is better than the alternative, Max. <laughs> yeah, always. Yes. Uh, Paris Johnson Jr. comes to the uh, Cardinals, a guy who wants to be here by all accounts, uh, was pursued by, uh, by Kyler Murray. What is your snapshot uh, of, of Paris Johnson Jr., the player? Uh, highly athletic, highly athletic tackle. Uh, you know, coming out of Ohio State, I I, um, I, I, I scouted him. I, lo- I looked over his stuff, and you know, for me, I think if the Cardinals are going to commit to more of a zone scheme, this is an excellent pick. Um, his athleticism is off the charts for an offensive tackle. He's a guy that, you know, when we're talking about like things you can do on the field. Talking about reaching backside uh, defensive tackles easily, outside zone, um, being able to pick up secondary defenders in space and attach to them and stay with them. Uh, great pass protection, very fluid um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to taking on defensive, especially guys with space that like to get a little bit wider. You know, think about how Chandler Jones likes to get a little bit of space. He does well with those body types. Um, where you will see a little bit of his struggle will be man-to-man blocking schemes, tight tight off the ball stuff so open in type of inside zone tracks where you have to be tight um, he will be a little bit off um, he's a little quick on the double team so you know as a, as as you know a line coach you're going to have to really work with him to establish the base on a lot of those things because he, he kind of gets flung off because he's so athletic, right? He's not a stout guy that's just going to come off and just hit you in the mouth and and be there. And, you know, he'll he'll lose some of those physical head-up battles. But, you know, he's young, so, you know, get him in the weight room and teach him about a little bit more about his bend. But athleticism, I mean, off the charts. And when you're thinking about how this roster looks right now, <laughs> if you would have picked anybody last night, I mean, that was graded in the top 32, they they wouldn't have missed. 
So I, I, I do like the pick uh, for the offensive line. I mean, he did go and grab that, that type of offensive line body and being first off the board, I really like the aggressiveness that Monty Ossiford is, is doing. Like you trade back from three, go to 12, then you trade back up into six um, with the resources you got from the Houston Texans. Um, so – you know, today is going to be the telltale day. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do to bolster and help the line of your defense? You went for the line of your offense. Now you need to go for the line of your defense. There's still some really good corners out there, right, sitting there um, nice and pretty um, to, to take one of the corners that did not go yesterday. You know, Joey Porter Jr.'s out there. Brian Branch is out there still. So I wonder what they're going to do for the secondary um, as well. Um, a lot your front line D tackles are already gone. You know, Kalijah Cansey, Brian Breezy, and also um, uh, Jalen Carter are gone. So now where are you going to go on that line aspect mm-hmm. will be a good question. So I, I think for the Cardinals, I mean, you got you got a great pick in Paris Johnson. I think he's a kid that has elite skill set. He just needs a little bit of fine-tuning on some of the more physical aspects of the game. But when it comes to space and athleticism, I think you got probably the best tackle for that in this draft. That's interesting because if if Jonathan Gannon said he wants his football team to be violent, we assume Monty Ostenfort wants to build a more physical football team, but that's not necessarily a strength of Paris Johnson, even though he has a lot of strengths, if I'm hearing you correctly. Correct, but when you're talking about if you're going to be a team that's going to toss or you need Kyler out on the edge in space when he is healthy, then he's the right guy for that physicality. Like He could go, he could go dig out a one-technique backside defensive tackle, if that makes any sense to you guys. So he could be lined up as a tackle on a backside cutoff. He can go reach that guy, which not a lot of human beings on earth have that skill set. So it's an elite, very rare skill set. And if you're going to be doing stuff where there's movement on angles, that's where he benefits the most from. And if you're going to be physical from that perspective or you're looking at getting things to the outside speed screens, he could be out there the first man out and he could take out you know, a safety for you and clear the lane for a wide receiver. So he has different strengths for that physicality. It's just not going to be the in the trenches, you know, six inches away type of uh, – Type of type of strength, but everything else when it comes to long strength and things that need to be handled on the second and third level, that's where he's going to really, really shine in this offense. Max Starks, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, and in terms of the near future for for Paris Johnson Jr. on this line, I know Monty Ostenfort talked about it last night. He's like, look, we just want him to come in and compete, and he's got uh, flexibility. He played left tackle, he played right guard. I don't know if there's a tackle spot for him right away with this. Cardinals offensive line, but do you think this would be a failure if he's not a day one starter somewhere on the line, Max? I mean, with this team, I mean, I felt like offensive line was a stronger point for this team Hmm. Um, when you're talking about rebuild because you go and you re-sign Kelvin Beecham to a multi-year extension and he's been a solid vet. And then, of course, you still got DJ Humphrey. So, I mean, I like the depth pick, but yeah, he's going to have, you're going to have, you're going to have some shuffling going on, Um, whether it's moving Kelvin Beecham inside to guard um, and then bumping him out to right tackle. But I, I mean, but this team also had injuries, you know what I'm saying? So, 
true. I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things where if he's not a day one starter, I'm not going to be overly surprised. But at the same time, he's going to be a contributor this year. Hmm. I think I think that's kind of the necessity that he will contribute. Because we remember DJ Humphreys was on a redshirt year for a year when they drafted him in the true. first round. And look how that worked out. So I don't think it's a failure if he's not a day one starter for this team. Because I think there's so many issues that they have to kind of clean up that as long as he's contributing and he has a helmet uh, day one, meaning on game day, he yeah. dressed it. He's dressed and active. Then, then that is that is a win. Now, clearly, you're not drafting Paris Johnson to satisfy or, or satiate Kyler Murray, but but the fact that there seems to be a respect and and the fact that Paris Johnson was coveted by Kyler Murray, what level of importance do you place on that, if any? I mean, I, I think it's trying to make it work for Kyler. Uh, you know, you kind of say, okay, well, where we're at, what we needed, um, they identified a need, and that's obviously why they attacked it still. So I don't think Kyler had the end-all, be-all say. It was just nice that both sides worked um, in agreement or in coordination with each other. So I look at it from that perspective. It's a win-win, even though they know they needed something of that nature. Because, you know, this is a, this is going to be a two- to three-year build for this squad to get it to where Jonathan Gannon needs it. I think that's why you also went with Jonathan Gannon, um, is that you're going to give him a little bit more leeway. And so, you know, if you're building for the future, then it's a great future foundational pick. Because... Offensive line, you know, is one of those positions that we've seen over the last couple of years. It's tough to find good ones. And, you know, if you're trying to find a value, getting a tackle in the first round that you think can be, a, you know, a generational talent for you that can be a contributor for seven, eight years, then, yeah. And you get to tie him to a, quote, unquote, a rookie contract for the first five years. I know I hate that saying that because it's like, no, you renegotiate even when you give him the fifth-year option. It becomes an extension point. But you have that flexibility that now, okay, we can keep it a little bit longer. So if we do have to pay somebody else that comes out of this, you know, we can push him out a little bit longer because offensive tackle salaries, you know, aren't quite the level of quarterbacks, but there's still some high salaries. I mean, you look at Jawan Taylor signed a four-year, $80 million deal down in Kansas City. So, you know, it is something where you have to keep an eye on it. And if you can suppress and keep things amenable so you can be flexible, then I agree it's a good pick. And I think Paris Johnson will be a guy who will be playing for a lot of years to come. Max, great stuff, man. Thanks for joining us this morning. Have a great weekend. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll take care. Thank you. Max Starks, our NFL analyst, joining us to break down Paris Johnson, the sixth overall pick of the draft by the Arizona Cardinals here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Coming up next, you know what's... I don't know exactly that. The Bickley Blast. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.